Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener, to this, our regular edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. With me, as always, today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And our brand new, out-of-the-mold co-host, John, is with us as well. How are you doing, John? <laughs> Hi, diddly-ho. How's it going? <laughs> going pretty good. On this edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast, we're going to talk about some feline warriors, a new La Femme Nikita, and everyone's favorite teenage badass. But first... But first... What's first? <laughs> what happens first? I don't know. It almost feels like one of those infomercials where you will, but wait, there's hey, more. There's now how much would you pay? Don't answer yet. <laughs> Ron Popeil time. No. So we have some listener email. Yay. Yay. Listener email. Woohoo. <laughs> this comes to us straight from Will B. Will B says, I enjoyed your discussion on how to best introduce new readers to comics. Free Comic Book Day is a great starting point, but I think one of the most effective things that companies can do is to make sure that their initial trades are reasonably priced. Okay. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. nice little opinion. I mean, we've talked a lot about trade paperbacks right. being a good way to get into a story. Image has been great about pricing the first trades of many of their series at $10. Now that I wasn't aware. So I guess mm-hmm. they take their first six issues, put a trade out, and they drop the price compared to later trades, I right. guess. Is that right? Yeah. So usually the first volume is like $9.99 for a okay. lot of the Image books. I got like you. quarter and- dealer. First one's free. First one's free. (laughs) Get you hooked. Will goes on to say, which is really effective at getting me to try books I might not normally check out. So there's John's drug reference Mm -hmm. right there. There we go. Uh, My favorite comic of all time is Vertigo's Transmetropolitan. And the only reason I gave it a shot is that the first trade was priced at only $8. In any case, thanks for putting out a great show. Well, thank you very much, Will. We appreciate the constructive feedback and the information. I didn't realize that companies did that. Yes, uh, Vertigo um, did it for a while. I know Image did it. I'm not sure about some of the other ones. I I know it's hard to find um, Marvel and DC trades at uh, $9.99 or $10 unless you find them used. But a lot of the indie ones will do that. Gotcha. Well, we've certainly got three good books that are candidates for trade value coming up today in the roundtable. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it right after this. A word which transforms him in a flash into the mightiest of mortal beings, Captain Marvel. Hey there, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo... Hey, everybody. ...and George... Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. 
If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. George, John, what's happening in the world of comics today? (laughs) Well, I guess there's quite a bit happening. I know we've got a lot of stuff on our list. Why don't you hit us with the first one, Jason? Well, I I believe you guys are familiar with Swamp Thing being, you know, children of the 80s and that that really horrible movie. But it wasn't horrible. (laughs) What are you doing? That was Adrian Barbeau at her finest, man. Come on. Okay, okay. Well, moving on, he has a new show coming on the DC streaming service, and DC just dropped teaser trailer for Swamp Thing, which basically is just him coming out of the swamp, but I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you guys checked it out yet. I didn't, John. Did you? So yeah, here's the thing that did pop up in my news feed, and I didn't look at the trailer yet. I'm like, oh, Swamp Thing trailer. And then like I scrolled a little newer in the feed and saw another Swamp Thing article that said, oh, by the way, they're slashing production and they're going to end right. it. Only eight episodes. And look, wait, I thought this didn't even start yet. (laughs) (laughs) The article said that the cast was uh, surprised by this, too. Nobody Mm -hmm. saw it coming. Oh, that's never good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Part of me wants to go, yeah, maybe some executive or somebody saw it and go, yeah, this is garbage. So let's go ahead and, Mm -hmm. you know, nip it in the bud. But part of me is like, you know, you get that you get that firefly itch in the back of your head. And you're like, did somebody just cancel this (laughs) without really understanding what they had? Or or at the very least, give it a shot because it's not even hit the air yet. Who knows how well received it'll be. It's already over. We haven't even gotten a chance to see it for ourselves yet to to be the audience to advocate for it to say hey guys don't cancel this we love it like we did with titans i know i'm not but, gonna watch it because i know it's over it's, right exactly <laughs> don't get like, invested because you already know it's been cut it's been cut short which mm-hmm. doesn't bode well for the future even though the article did say something about they didn't have any plans to cut the series mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. well right. speaking of executives making weird decisions out of nowhere disney who has the control of the latest avengers film of avengers endgame they have have canceled all English screenings in Russia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that headline and I thought it was mm-hmm. something with the Mueller report, but no. it, uh... <laughs> well, that would have been redacted. You wouldn't even see oh, that yeah. at all. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, so apparently I guess there was some leaked footage about five minutes of Avengers Endgame that hit the internet recently. Yes. And yeah. Because of the subtitling and everything, they were like, well, we know what country this came from. Apparently the Disney execs said, you know what? We're not going to take any chance on this getting released to the public. We control American theaters pretty well and police them. But we all know that cam footage almost always comes from foreign countries, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to lock that down a little bit. The biggest part in the article that I was shocked by, I didn't think about it and I should have. There are people who have been waiting like a year for this film in Russia and they want to see it in the original English acting voices Mm -hmm. and they can't. And they had already bought their tickets. And now all these, they've been swapped out for the Russian subtitles with the dubbed voice acting. And Uh. they're mad. There's a lot of people in Russia who are really pissed. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, Putin might be getting kicked out now if he doesn't get this thing cleared up soon. <laughs> you got the rug pulled out from under him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have I have heard tell of people who download screeners that are recorded in other parts of the world. And uh, what they tell me is that they're not very good quality. And if something like Endgame that you want to see, mm-hmm. you're not gonna, you're not gonna watch it that way. You're gonna go to the theater to see it. Do they really think it's gonna of course, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll only make five trillion, not seven trillion dollars if we don't do that. I mean, you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, it's kind of that old thing that you hear about, like with when uh, music was being pirated all the time. Mm-hmm. The people who were pirating the music weren't necessarily going to be buying it in the first place. Right. 
Right. They, yep. right. they weren't yep. going to be going and picking up that local record. It's kind of the same thing with movies, although I'm sure it does eat into the overall ticket sales a little bit. Mm-hmm. But for a movie like this, it, not that much, right. I wouldn't think. Well, well, Disney's been real tight lipped on most things with this film. And when that leak oh, came sure. out, they were, I think, surprised that it something got out because I think they were tighter than they were with any of their other films. So they're... Mm-hmm. I guess they don't want to take any chances with spoilers because they've been building this for 10 years also. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot invested in this, not just for tying up loose ends from the past, but also setting the future stories for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a huge cash cow for Disney right now. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, I guess they had to make the decision they felt like they had to make. I, I hope that the Russian people, any of those listening to, and by the way, we do get one download every single episode from Russia for our podcast. So whoever wow. you are there in Russia that's listening to this podcast, I really hope you get to see Avengers Endgame in its native English speaking format soon. And our podcast is released in English. So we're doing a better service than Marvel is. <laughs> That's very true. Absolutely. <laughs> well, with more Marvel news, we've got Spider-Man Far From Home coming out. And uh, mm-hmm. George, uh, did you see something about his new red and black costume? I did. Yeah, they recently released a brand new high-res still image of Spider-Man's red and black costume. And apparently it's going to come to him from S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess. Not necessarily Tony Stark, which there was a little bit of people, you know, they were speculating, well, him having this new costume means Tony Stark is definitely going to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. But if it's from S.H.I.E.L.D., maybe not, because it's not like Tony Stark has a great love for shield you know he doesn't really like to work with them that often no well, that makes a little bit of sense because I, I so in the trailer you see that uh, he makes a conscious decision to leave his spidey outfit at home because mm-hmm. he just wants to be him and then you also see nick fury showing up so that kind of right. those two kind of add up i guess yeah and it's a really cool looking costume i jason is this one that's been in the comic world before this film because i had never noticed this costume before you know some of his um you know early on it may have been the inking or whatever coloring it so, sometimes it does look black i can't think of a an instance where it was a major thing, but he's had so many costumes over the years. Uh, it's mm. hard to keep track of them. He's quite yeah. a diva, that Spider-Man. He's got quite a <laughs> wardrobe. Well, and plus, you know, with like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, there's like 27 million different Spider-Man out there. Mm-hmm. So yep. each one of them has got to have their own costume mm-hmm. or own 20 costumes. Peter Parker, I mean, I, that guy, or Peter Porker or Gwen <laughs> or whoever the hell is going to be Spider-Man. They've all got to have their own thing, I guess. So, I mean, it's... It's cool and neat. One thing that I did see that um, out on the news webs and everything that kind of harken back to some old costumes, Wolverine is actually going to have a new series coming out in July. And I say Wolverine is going to have the series, but it's not just Wolverine. They're going to do a crossover Wolverine versus Blade. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Right? So, so Wolverine, uh, Blade is, are you talking about like the, the Vampire Hunter Blade? Yeah. Wesley Snipes, Vampire Hunter okay. Blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So the Daywalker versus the animal, they're going to be, I guess, going at it. There's a really cool looking cover and the Wolverine costume seems to harken back to his old. Um, it's like the black and silverish kind of costume. I can't remember which group he was in at that point, but because, you know, he kind of bounced around yeah, from X-Men he, to X-Force, all he, this. Different he has stuff. quite a few costumes, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Blades in his traditional Wesley Snipes, you know, armor and leather pants kind of look. Right, right. <laughs> the cover is gorgeous. I can't wait to see the story. And from the articles that I read, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Are they battling be, I mean, tax evasion or what's the plan? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, wow. I did kind of wonder, like, are you going to have some stuff where Wesley Snipes and Hugh Jackman are actually going to reprise some roles that they've left behind for all these years and going to jump back into the fray? I, I doubt this series would do that. But could you imagine seeing those two guys on screen together? That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, potential? It, w- yeah. it would. And I, I'm waiting for them to bring Blade into the Marvel Universe. Also, well, the they've got the opportunity U- now with all the deals that have been struck. I right. Mean, I don't know that they will because those those three films were pretty successful of their own standalone universe and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they'll bring them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I w- kind of wish they would because you know seeing Blade pop up in Avengers: Infinity War Endgame would be <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. But you know, I can't imagine it's going to happen. We can help. Is Blade a superhero or he just is a vampire hunter? Does he have superpowers? Well, he he's I mean, resistant. He's got all his vampire yeah. powers. Plus, he is a daywalker, right? So he mm-hmm. doesn't have any of the vampire weaknesses. So that oh, so he is. He's a vampire, plus he's a vampire yeah. hunter. Okay. Yeah, right. so he's got super strength. He can jump really high. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got all his combat skills from his training by Whistler, his you know original father figure after his mother was killed by the vampire when he was a child. I mean, he's... You know, he's got quite a bit. So, okay. yeah, I'd consider him a superhero. Yeah, really? yeah right. okay. definitely. As much as Captain America is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, Captain America doesn't have a cool sword. No, no. no he's got that little. <laughs> he's got the shield. Yeah, that little wimpy shield thing. All right, come on. Let's, let's, not dis, let's not dis cap shield, man. Come on. <laughs> Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury. Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission. And with us today in our hot seat interview is Mark London, CEO of Mad Cave Studios. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, George. How about you? I am doing wonderful because I get to do one of my favorite things, which is talking to a comic book creator like yourself. Before we get any further, I'm going to jump right into the questions. You know, this is several questions so that we can talk to you about you and your books and your creations and everything. First Mm -hmm. question up on the plate, where were you born? Where's your hometown? Uh, my hometown is in Bogota, Colombia. Um, really? Okay. South America. Yeah. Um, I grew up there all my life. Uh, when I was 14, I came to the States to a military school uh, called Valley Forge Military Academy. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. I, I, still they, I, still, I stayed there for a year. Um, then I went back to Colombia. I graduated high school and then I came back to the States. Uh, I got in Boston University first then I went to Northeastern University and... As soon as I graduated, then I went back to Colombia to take care of wow. a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. And then after I did my thing there, um, actually tried to, to, to work on what I graduated for, well, which was business administration. Uh, one day I was like, hey, I need to do my passion. I need to try to come this, my, my dream project to fruition. And that's, that's why I decided to get into, into comic books. And that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, well, that's a great segue. Then let's talk a little bit about your work in the comic industries. Obviously, you're the CEO of Mad Cave Studios, which is an up and coming independent publisher out of Miami, Florida. Some great books. I know we're going to talk about one in particular today, but I love every title that Mad Cave puts out. Knights in the Golden Sun, Honor and Curse. You've got Battle Cats, which we're going to talk a little bit later. But man, mm-hmm. you guys are producing some high quality comic books, and I don't mean that like in the sense of oh, it's independent, it's neat, it's cool, it's kitschy. No. Like this is rivaling Marvel and DC quality. But tell us a little bit about your work in the comic industry. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for that compliment, George. I mean, you definitely made my day. Um, <laughs> definitely trying to work hard at this. Um, my role is uh, I'm the CEO of Mad Cave Studios. 
so I oversee the like the daily activities in the company and where we are and where we're going. But I'm also the CCO, which is the chief creative officer. Okay. And um, I try to dictate, okay, w- what are the type of stories that we want to publish? Um, what is it that we like? Um, trying to organize the, the team, uh, especially the artists and some of the writers that we're bringing on board. And I talk with my editor-in-chief all, all day long and also with the editors and the officers. So, so we kind of like flesh out um, the new story that that we're bringing to you guys. And also I write some of the books uh, that Matt Cave has published so far. Mm-hmm. So th- that's how I'm involved in the industry. Gotcha. Yeah. And you've done some really good stuff. Like I t- mentioned the other ones, Midnight Task Force. That's another. Mm-hmm. I just keep thinking as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I love this book. I got to say that <laughs> name. I love this book. I got to say that name. There's some great stuff out there. How did you get started? Did you just learn that you could write and draw someday and said, you know what? I'm going to do a comic book company. Or did somebody help bring you into the industry? No, actually it was, um, I think that it was just raw passion and uh, I knew that I had my my way around creating stories. I mean, for me, it's all about story building. It's sure. it's about storytelling, and um, I've always been writing for fun. I'm a comic book addict, but also a movie buff, um, a video game buff, um, animation buff. I mean, all of right. the above. I mean, I, I like to be called the self-proclaimed uh, king of the geeks. So There you go. <laughs> so so uh, I don't know. I just love this stuff too much. And I was like, I, I can't draw. I can't draw, n- not even figure sticks, unfortunately. And right. that, <laughs> that kills me. That really, really kills me. Um, but yeah, but, but I can rub two words together. And, and, and I decided to, okay, I'm going to try to r- write my story stories and um gonna finish them that's very important for writers yeah right that, I mean, a lot of people start <laughs> exactly and um and yeah then we started searching for for uh, for for the right artists and then we got a cool work of people group cool group of people working uh, for Mad Kib and yeah the well the rest is history <laughs> tell me a little bit now because we're we're about to do a review here in the next segment on your new book it's actually an old book but it's your second volume so it's Battle Cats volume two and issue number one which was what we're about to review. Give mm-hmm. us a brief little 30-second elevator pitch description of Volume 2, Issue Number 1, and even maybe a little bit of history of Battle Cats itself. Okay, okay, okay. So I'll start with a little bit of the history. Um, Battle Cats takes place during the reign of King Aramad III. Um, he's a fierce warrior king. And at the time of instability, he sends the Battle Cats, the protectors and the guardians of both Valdaria and its ideals, to find and destroy a vicious monster called the Dire Beast that has right. plagued the north of Aldaria for decades. So then, uh, led by the courageous and honorable paladin Kelthan of Stormhold, the team departs for their mission and seeks to carry out Emeril's, M- King Aramat's III's commands, mm-hmm. but not without trepidation and wondering why the Sovereign has chosen to send them on this quest such at a, vol- at a volatile time in the kingdom. Right. Um, so that was Battle Cats Volume 1. And after they are done with the quest, they, they discover um, a secret um, that it was actually uh, the monster that they were set to slay was actually the long lost king of Alteria, the second right. lost long king of Alteria. So, so the actual king actually sent them on this uh, dangerous mission to please do this. And then Kelthan, the leader of the battle cats, is conflicted because he he realized that that there, there's something weird with this creature, and and then they re- the reveal is that that uh, it was the long lost king of Alteria who exiled himself uh, for not doing his job right. Right. So, so, um, so after the, the king receives them and Kelton slays the beast, um, he demotes them and he sends them to the dungeon. But what the king doesn't realize is that Valadar, 
um, a force to be reckoned with. It's coming from the West to mm-hmm. to to attack him, but he's too preoccupied. We, we're dealing with the battle cats and 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 their disloyalty, and and he, he believe he feels betrayed. So right. Battle Cats Volume Two, uh, it takes place during during this brewing crisis that has yet to be revealed to feelings across Valdaria. So after the Battle Cats got demoted, King Ermat the the Third has forced them to a series of trials in order to prove their loyalty and hopefully regain their titles. But meanwhile, Valadar is advancing uh, through Greenspire and he wants the head of the king. Uh, but the king is too preoccupied just seeing the battle cats, uh, uh, testing the battle cats through different tiles. So right. that's what we're going to see in this volume too. It's really cool. I can tell just from hearing you talk about it that you have this entire universe, you know, this whole battle cats world. You have this all in your head. This is something that's very passionate for you. I kind of wonder what was your inspiration for this story? Uh, I know you said you don't do any of the drawing, but you obviously are the creative force behind the story. What was your inspiration? Well, for me, has has always been King Arthur and Knights of the Round Table. Oh, so, okay. So, yep. So that is, that that is a concept that that has really, really, really um, been a driving force since I was probably like ten years old. Wow. So I really wanted a story. I mean, set around this. Uh, particular themes. Okay, you have your king, you have your your paladins or your warriors, your your very close knights that, that mm-hmm. they're they're his right arm, and then evil forces uh, that that want to overtake Camelot. So 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 it's so I really drew inspiration from that. Of course, when we brought uh, the third artist that was working on Volume One um, for the first series, right. uh, he loved uh, Masters of the Universe and Conan. Which oh yeah, I'm, you can see that in the book, yeah, yeah. So so I'm also a fan of that, and I was like, mm, you know what? I mean, this could actually work. So so we tried it out, and and well, the rest is history because <laughs> the cats are the cats are where you where you already know and <laughs> seen. That's a perfect segue then, because I wanted to ask you to give us a little brief rundown of your creative team on this project. So you mentioned mm-hmm. that you have an artist. Tell us a little bit about him and the other people that have worked with you on Battle Cats. So for the first volume, was the artist was Andy King and the colorist was Alejandro Giraldo. Alejandro okay. Giraldo is also the artist and the colorist on Midnight Task Force. Oh, and Yes. And um, he he's working in another project with me uh, that we're going to be announcing that very, very soon. But then for issue five of the first volume, um, we uh, Mike Camello, he, he, he mm-hmm. took the, the art reins, uh, to say the least. And Julian Gonzalez did the, the colors for issue five, which okay. I absolutely love. Um, yeah, I think it's a very good looking issue, and for this new new arc or volume two, as as, as we are promoting it, uh, Mike Melo is, is coming back to do the pencils, and uh, Tequino, which is the co- which he is the colorist on Honor and Curse, he's going to be taking coloring duties for Battle Cats Volume Two. Mark, mm-hmm. I got something for you. Shoot, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you ready? All yeah. right, this is the four rapid fire questions of death. Are you ready, sir? Uh, not really, but yeah, let's do it anyway. You know, everybody says that. I think I got to change the name. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the natural setup. Right. But okay. 
<laughs> Let's go with four rapid fire questions of happiness. How does that work? That's much better. <laughs> That's much better. Okay. Well, let's yeah. go with that. Question number one, your favorite Muppet. Uh, no, Kermit. Kermit. Okay. All yeah. right. Straightforward. Love mm-hmm. Kermit. It's mm-hmm. not easy being green. It's not easy being green. Exactly. That's right. He has a lot to prove. <laughs> and he's got the girl. So he that's does good. have the girl, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes him the best Muppet right there. Absolutely. All right. Second question. A guilty pleasure that you're ashamed to admit. <sighs> I'm addicted to fidget spinners. Oh, no. Are you really? (laughs) You know how many of those things I had to buy for my kids? Goodness gracious. You're just feeding that thing. Oh, yes, yes. And no. And the the sad part is that that um, that my my teenage daughter, she 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 can't get enough of that because she she always looks at me and be like, oh, my God, that that is so two years old. What are you still doing with it? I'm like, I don't know. It it calms me. It works. I mean, it just it's fun. It suits me. It's. It helps me with anxiety. <laughs> That's the best part of parenthood, though, being able to embarrass your children. That's one yes. of my favorite pastimes right now. I love yes. that. <laughs> All right. Question number three, mm-hmm. your favorite 80s film or TV show? Ooh, there are so many. Um, uh-huh. it, I would probably have to go with Indiana Jones. Ooh, okay. Which particular yeah. movie? Uh, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Oh, yes. the odd choice out. Nice. Yes. Most people go with Raiders or yes. Last Crusade. <laughs> Temple of Doom. I love that one. Nice. Had a great video game as well. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I love the video game. True. Final question. Your favorite comic or character, not one that you created, though? Uh, has to be Watchmen and probably oh, has to be with okay. Rorschach. I mean, yeah. he's such a conflicted, difficult, weird, interesting character. That All right. Before we get out of here, give everybody just a quick plug of where they can find all that Mad Cave wonderful creation. Sure. You can... Um, Look us online at uh, madcavestudios.com or you can check uh, Twitter at madcavestudios or Instagram at madcavestudios or even Facebook at madcavestudios. We now have an online store. So if you can't get the books at your uh, local retailer, which by the way, you should go to your local local retailer, support your local retailer and ask for Madcave books. But if you can't, uh, we have an online store now uh, to get the, the books out to you. Yes. That's great. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, George. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I mean, uh, I love the show and um, it's really an honor for me to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we will see all you guys right after this. Oh, elders, fleet and strong and wise, appear before my seeking eyes. The desert sand of which you speak carries a message for all of us upon its ancient face, Billy. Up first on the roundtable today is the book we just got through talking about in our interview segment, Battle Cats Volume 2, Issue Number 1. I love this book. I really enjoyed the first volume. The second volume is starting off really strong. What did you guys think? John, did you read this at all? Uh, I did I did go through this. Yeah, so you provided these to us, and, and I'll remind your listeners that I am not a comic book aficionado, <laughs> right? Yeah, and again, you you gave us three books, and I went and, and all three of them, just like last time, and, uh, and this one was... it fell kind of in the middle of the pack for me. And okay. mm-hmm. and this one, it, I guess the feeling that I get from it, um, I'm really polarized on a lot of comic books. And this one feels very, uh, and not only because it has cats, but it feels very much kind of like, uh, what was the... Um, 
like Thundercats. Th- like it had Thundercats, that Thundercats uh-huh. feeling, like the old comic book. Sure. It, it mm-hmm. was very cartoony versus mm-hmm. uh, realistic, which is, I so, guess, what they, were, what they were going for. Yep. It's odd that you picked up on that because in the interview, the creator of this, Mark London, said that the artist had things like He-Man and Thundercats in mind when he yep. was doing mm-hmm. the art for this. So it definitely mm-hmm. fits that. Yep. Yeah. It also had, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons feel to it. Each character had a different skill set, had a little bit of a sure. Game of Thrones vibe. And then when you get to a certain scene where a couple, uh, you know, minor characters are, you know, killed, then it's like, oh, this, you know, they didn't do that on Thundercats. Uh, so, no, well, no. yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot of death in afternoon cartoons no, when you got no. home from school. Right. Now, I mean, it was a good, solid book. I enjoy the series. It's definitely got a King Arthur vibe to it as well. And Mm -hmm. that's something that Mark London was, you know, he talked about being brought up on King Arthur and that being very important to him. So I can understand why this book has that same feel to it. And can I say that the, there's a certain over the topness that Mm -hmm. turns me off as a, as a non-comic book person. There's like, so like for me, like superheroes, the, the fantasy of, and I know these aren't superheroes, it's just a whole other race, this whole other world, Mm -hmm. but something in a superhero book that you need the ordinary to offset the amazing. And all the action in this is all amazing. I'm with you guys. I was in the, on the middle with this one. I, I, I really love, though, as George mentioned, the artwork in this is great and the character designs. Mm, yeah, it, it's worth the price of admission to just see those cats, you know, doing battle. Yeah, I mean, there there's some tremendous artwork in everything Mad Cave Studios does, this book in particular. Mm-hmm. Now, John, you talked about subdued nature. Mm-hmm. If we want to talk a little bit about a subdued book, let's talk about the one that Jason brought to us, Amber Blake. Jason, Jason brought this? Jason brought this one, I right? brought this uh, one. I was going to say I liked it, too. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, you did <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> I found this one a few weeks ago when it came out, Amber Blake from IDW. Uh, and mm-hmm. the first issue is to me was what a first issue of a comic book should be. This girl is left at an orphanage when she is young. Then she gets recruited to this school that's for the best of the best. She graduates and finds out the headmaster is doing dirty deeds and is just a a really bad, bad, bad person. Uh, She escapes, uh, then gets picked up by the spy organization that does kind of more social justice type spy work and is recruited into this spy agency. And that is all in the first issue of this book. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely an origin story, which is something we like in comic books, which is where I think you were going. Mm -hmm. I I like that her life keeps like an ebb and flow, like, okay, everything's horrible. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm safe. Oh, wait, everything's horrible again. Okay, now I'm safe. Okay, wait, everything's horrible. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's just kind of back and forth. I'm waiting to see how it evens out. I did go ahead and grab issue number two, which comes out today. Mm -hmm. I went ahead and read that one, and I can see how the how the nuance is going to develop as they move forward. So I think I'm going to stick with this series. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say this was my favorite of the three, but I think it might have more long-term potential than any of the other three. I really like this one. I mean, and probably because it was a story Mm -hmm. about people and what's going on with them. And it suggested things that are coming. The vibe that it gave me, it made me feel like um, there's a couple of films that came out maybe like in 2014 and 17, maybe uh, called The Kingsman. Mm -hmm. Yes. The Kingsman. The organization that -hmm. is taking these wayward boys and turning them into gentlemen and Mm -hmm. training them how to battle. And that's kind of what's starting to happen here. Like she was a troubled youth 
youth and she mm-hmm. was brought into this school and then she had more trouble and now she's being brought into this kind of mercenary organization or something. But it, it's it's building up. You know, I talked about the other one, how it's just it's always cranked up to 11. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this was this one kind of went between two and five and two and five. But like mm-hmm. you can see 11 on the horizon. And that anticipation was better to me than just hitting me in the face with a bat. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. You know, you can tell, like I said, long term potential. They're going to build slowly mm-hmm. to yep. this character. And I really appreciate that. So often, right. I think that especially. OK, so we talked about Battle Cats. Now, this is their volume two, but they did a very similar structure with volume one. Mm-hmm. That's an independent company who has to grab you with every single issue. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to slowly build to something because they got to make sales or they're going to go under. So I think with a company, when they get a little bit bigger, like an IDW or a Dark Horse or a Boom Studios, when they start hitting that mm-hmm. level, they can take their time a little bit with a story that they believe in. And it seems to be what they're doing with this Amber Blake book. Well, and coincidentally or ironically or whatever adverb you want to throw in there, Amber Blake was a slow burn. I'm more interested in seeing the next issue of it than I would be seeing the next issue of a Battle Cats because sure. I mm-hmm. don't yet know what hell's going to break loose, you know? And then that artwork in it to me is gorgeous in the book. The yeah. artwork is really very nice. realistic yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, very clean. Yep. Well, and again, subdued, right? Right. It wasn't the garish colors and the brightness, you know, the mm-hmm. reds and the blues and the yellows. Flat. It was very, yeah. yeah, it was very flat and dark, but it was perfect for the tone of the story, I thought. Mm-hmm. Which right. also was pretty dark in many places. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, you want to talk about something that's a little bit more lighthearted. Who remembers the kick-ass film franchise? Anybody here remember that oh, one? Oh, yeah. I do. I yep. do. <laughs> Kick-Ass was how I got introduced into that whole world Mm -hmm. of image books. I didn't understand anything about Kick-Ass before those films. I hadn't read any of the books, so those films were my basis. But I loved the characters that were developed in those films, especially Hit Girl. I don't care what anybody says, that is my favorite little badass teenager (laughs) of the entire comic book universe. She just kicks everybody's ass. Mm -hmm. She doesn't worry about how she speaks or how she acts. If you're in her way, you're getting stabbed in the nuts. That's all there is to it. (laughs) That's where she starts stabbing your ass, actually. Frankly. So I have a new question for you. So I saw Kick-Ass. I saw the first Mm Kick-Ass. And and it actually took me several pages before I realized, oh, Hit Girl must be from that movie. And then I figured it out later that obviously. Yeah. Right. So did the Kick-Ass films originate the characters? Because you say they were developed in the film. Or was it a comic book first, as most things are? No, the comic books were first. Okay. And that's why I said, like, I, I saw them develop in the films, but they they were they were out there way before I knew anything about them. And I think that the films were very faithful representations of what I've seen in the comic book since then. Hit Girl in particular, this is season two. Each one of these story arcs for this new Hit Girl series, they are four issues long. And each one has a different writer every single four issues. It's like a whole new team gets a hold of the Hit Girl franchise and writes a four issue story mm-hmm. arc just for that team. In this case, season two, issues one through four, they are written and penned by Kevin Smith, who's one of my favorite directors of all time, as everyone who's listened to these podcasts probably already knows. I enjoyed the first book. Tell me how fast you guys read book number one of this Hit Girl season two series. I couldn't believe it was over. Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. 
Did yep. anybody pick up on the title of the books? Mm-mm. No. So book number one was The Silent Era. Ah. In book number one, there was almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Like, I kept going back and forth going, did I get a copy without dialogue mm-hmm. in it somehow? Did, did I get a pre-release? to put the words in? <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back and looked at the title. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense now. So it's odd that you mentioned how fast it went. I was actually going to ask is I didn't go back and like do the math. Is is this a shorter book than usual or did no, it just move that fast? It's about the right pages. I think it's 22 uh, actual comic mm-hmm. book pages, yeah, it was. which is standard for the big guys. So anybody IDW and above, they're going to have 22. Huh. Yeah, because usually you, know, you guys will give me a book, and you know, especially if it's something Jason picked, and I'm like, is this ever going to freaking end? <laughs> like Little it Bird? Go- yeah. No, I wasn't going to say Little Bird, but since Jason said Little Bird, Little Bird's a good example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this one was the opposite of that. I'm like, I finished it. I'm like, is there a second one? Oh, good. The second one's here. I can check the mm-hmm. second one too. Yeah, it really just cranked, which I think is a mark of something that is is – it's telling its story well because it's pulling me through it. I'm not pushing my way through it. You know, it really did. And I made an observation about the art that I can share with you and you can say, yeah, no doy, dumbass. But the, what I noticed was that unlike other books that I've been looking at is that periodically all the background drops away in just a solid mm-hmm. pastel color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can really focus on the character and then it'll drop back and you see the background again. Mm-hmm. And the next few frames is just a solid pastel color. And I think that pushed me through fast because it, my eye rapidly went to the next spot, rapidly went to the next spot, and I wasn't spending time overanalyzing incidental background stuff. I was going right to the frame, right to the frame, and that's helped uh, pull me through it quickly, too. Right. Which, to say, not to say that I don't want to see all the detailed backgrounds. There are some Mm pieces of art like we talked about battle cats i want to see all the flora and the fauna in that whole battle cats world Mm -hmm. because it's gorgeous but a lot of times you just want to read a fun story like hit girl season two and it was fun you don't need all of that stuff in the background i had fun with it so yeah success i enjoy hit girl like i said you know she's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. characters since watching those films i've got all the books so far in this new hit girl series they had season one which had three four-part stories now they're into season Mm -hmm. two which i'm Assuming we'll probably do something similar. Right. Well, I have a confession oh. to make. Uh-oh. This right. is the first kick-ass comic I've ever read. Really? Yes. Huh. Okay. What did okay. you think I of it, it. I guess it, you it liked it. It was fun. I mean, yeah. I saw the movie, uh, the first movie, and enjoyed it and just never went to the second one. And for whatever reason, w- wasn't picking up the, the comics huh. as they came out. But um, yeah, no, it was a, this was a lot of fun to me. I, I really enjoyed it. Okay. So I have a confession to make, too. Okay. What's your confession? This is the first kick-ass comic book I've ever read. I, I thought you were going to say this is the first comic book you've ever read. <laughs> so Jason and I are equally credentialed here. We're a, even footing. <laughs> I'd like to thank you too, Captain Marvel. It seems like every time I don't tell the truth, something bad happens. Well, just remember, Alan, if a person makes one mistake and lies about it, he has made two. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. 
And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. But before we get out of here, I want to take a quick moment to thank all of our wonderful patrons over at Patreon slash Gen X Grownup. That is you, Stubaka, Will, Jessica, Dana, T2, Thomas, Slowmo, Corey, Agile, Stian, and Marcus. Thank wow. you guys so much for just a couple of bucks every month to help us keep the lights on here at Gen X Grownup and Drawn and Paneled. It really, I'm from the bottom of my heart, genuine moment, it means so much to me to see that people support what we do here mm-hmm. at Gen X growing up. You just read out a list of some of my favorite people on the planet. I know, right? Yep. <laughs> they are awesome. <laughs> it is. Now, yeah, thank you. For those of you who listen to the podcast but can't spare the couple of bucks a month, I totally understand. If you could please though, hop over to iTunes and give us mm-hmm. one of those five-star reviews. It'll really help push us up in the search ranking so that other people can find this content that you already listen to and you will have made their day just that much better. And it's totally free. It costs nothing. It is totally free. Except for the pain <laughs> in the butt that is the iTunes app. But other Maybe. than that, yeah, right. that's totally Maybe right. that's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a price, right? <laughs> right. That's the, that's the price you pay. One thing that is a lot easier than iTunes and totally free is to send us a listener email to podcast at drawnandpanel.com. We love to read those on the air. They give us some insight. They make us feel better. Sometimes they make us feel worse, depending upon what right. the email Right. They make was. us feel loved and <laughs> like people are listening to us. And It depends yeah. on who they're most critical of. It's, that's how I decide if I like it or not. Yeah. yeah. And since John is the noob on the show, this time everybody gets to be critical of John and not me. I I love yes. that. That is so awesome. <laughs> uh, everybody loves the new guy. You're just fooling yourself. <laughs> I know they do. You're just so lovable. It's all. Like, <laughs> thanks. Well, we will be back in two weeks with one of our regular episodes, but next week we'll be back with one of our back issue editions. Jason, hit them with the subject. In the back issue, that pesky old Thanos is added again in the 1992 sequel to the Infinity Gauntlet. Infinity War. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about this one because there's a small little independent film, as we always see here at (laughs) drawtopanel.com, that's coming out around the time (laughs) of this podcast. And we just couldn't help ourselves. We had to do something about the Infinity Gems, Thanos, and Adam Warlock, and all the other people that you're probably only going to see a couple of in this film. So we will definitely be talking about that in the next Back Issue edition. Guys, had a lot of fun talking to you guys today. Jason, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. John, always happy to have you on our show now. Yep, thanks so much. And we will see you guys next time. See everybody later. Toodaloo. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. 
wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.